you can do these automotive skills and you can participate in the industry almost no matter where you are now. But that's what's made it so cool is that it used to be really centralized and now it's very decentralized and very much technology focused. So if you want to have fun as a job seeker in an industry that's so dynamic, it's a great place for you. If you are very brave and want to be an entrepreneur in the space, there are still opportunities. Hi, everyone. How much do you know about the revolution that's taking place in the automotive industry and the opportunities that's creating for job seekers and others too? Hey, don't worry if you know nothing at all or only a little bit about it, because we're going to discuss this and more on this episode, number 109, of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. My guest expert, Tyson Jomini, will share his expertise on such things as what are some of the most significant trends occurring in the automotive industry? What are a few global examples of these trends? Who are some of the new competitors on the automotive playing field? And what else we might see happen, or not, in this industry, if you'll excuse the pun, down the road? Of course, in typical looking forward fashion, you'll also hear about some of the great opportunities the revolution in the automotive industry is creating. And you'll get tips on what you or someone you care about can do to start capitalizing on those. Tyson Jomini is Vice President, Data and Analytics for J.D. Power's Power Information Network. Tyson has worked for J.D. Power and the Power Information Network since September 2009, advising original equipment manufacturers on pricing and incentives for new and used car sales. Prior to joining J.D. Power, Tyson worked for the Ford Motor Company and Nissan North America, where he held several positions within finance and sales and marketing. Tyson's also managed financial forecasting and planning in the consumer packaged goods industry, and he's advised executives in corporate development and mergers and acquisitions in the energy sector. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Yes, we're all about opportunities here. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Well, hi, Tyson. Welcome back to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Thanks for having me back, Jeff. Excited to be here. Well, I haven't had many guests back yet, Tyson, but the ones that come back, come back for a reason. They are what I call my all-star guests because they're knowledgeable in their fields. Their fields are very interesting and opportunity loaded. And they're also like really nice people who can speak well. So thanks for coming back. <laughs> Tyson, for the benefit of those who didn't have the joy of hearing you the first time you're on Looking Forward, please share with everybody 
what got you involved in the automotive industry? And then what does J.D. Power do in your role there? Well, yeah, my family actually goes back quite a ways in the auto industry. My great-grandfather was an engineer at General Motors way back in uh, towards the 20th century. Yeah, And my family, for the most part, was from and grew up in Detroit. Certainly, my father had some of all the muscle cars back in the heyday and kind of raised me to to get into cars. And so I have worked at a couple different automakers. I've worked at Ford Motor Company and, and Nissan Motor as well before landing on a JD Power almost by chance. An old business school classmate saw the posting on monster.com. If you remember that site, yes, forwarded over to me and said, You sound like you'd be great for this role at JD Power. So that's sort of how I got into uh, the, my current company. I've been here now. 13 years. Wow. Yeah. Exciting place to be. I'll bet it is. Tell us a little bit, if you will, about J.D. Power and what you're doing with J.D. Power now. And I know that's probably evolved over the 13 years. Most people listening would recognize J.D. Power for the trophies and the marketing. I mean, everyone kind of knows us from the awards that we do for market research. Well, I'm on the other side of the house. (laughs) I'm on the data and analytics side. And so I don't get involved in the research, but I I am on the data side. So we look at automotive sales and pricing and and trends and what's going on in the industry, which means we're really close to the action as things are evolving in this industry. And they're evolving really quickly. Mm. Um, It is not a, you know, my great grandfather's automotive industry. This is a dynamic place, very tech heavy, very forward looking. (laughs) <laughs> space. So we are looking forward just just like you are here because things are changing rapidly. I mean, who's buying is changing, what we're buying is changing, and how we're buying is changing. So there's a lot of, of dynamism going on in the auto industry. It does sound very exciting. It's always more exciting, I think, to be involved in something that is dynamic. It can be a little boring if it's very predictable and static. Looking forward, you know, in part, Tyson, is about trends. We had you on, I can't believe it. It's roughly speaking nearly two years ago. How have things changed in the automotive industry, in retail? You can jump into manufacturing. What changes have you seen just in the two years since you were last on looking forward? There's actually two kind of paths of change. Of course, we have this broad technology change that I I mentioned. However, at the same time, We've had a lot of short-term challenges, uh, certainly on the supply chain. It's it's very well known. It's hard to find things. It's it's hard to find shoes and computers and various things. It's hard to find cars right now because of the global supply chain crisis that's going on. The auto industry is probably the tip of the spear for the challenges there. So while the industry is changing, we're pushing very rapidly toward the electrification of the car whether that's electric vehicles or plug-in hybrids, at the same time that the technology inside the car and the, the advanced driving systems that keep you from crashing into someone or mm. sideswiping someone as you drive. I mean, all those changes are occurring almost simultaneously and we're facing these global challenges. And so we're kind of racing toward this future while we're struggling with the present. And once we get past our present situation, which is the supply chain crisis, We're going to be in a completely new industry, almost top to bottom, from retail to development to production. It's all going to change. And it's hard right now to see it because the fog is so thick where we are. But I'm optimistic that we're going to get there soon. Wow, that's pretty dramatic. And a lot of this has unfolded even just in the last two years, the COVID years, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, when we last talked, I mean, 
EV sales were about 2%. Now they're getting close to 6%. So we've seen just a dramatic shift just in that time alone. And globally, I mean, we're seeing a, a very big push in, in Europe, in China, toward EV vehicles. Uh, as a matter of fact, the number one EV company in the world is no longer Tesla. It's actually a company, BYD, out of China wow. has surpassed Tesla to be the number one builder of EVs in the world. And they're doing it at the other end of the market, the low end of the market, whereas Tesla, of course, being at the much higher end. So this is all changing just in the past you know, two years alone, not to mention that certainly in the US as well as globally, millennials have taken over the auto industry. They're now the largest buying demographic out there. And what their expectations and the way that they want to get something, that's also changing too. So we've got a lot of of moving parts here simultaneously. And it's all all really come to head just in the past two years. Fascinating stuff. Can you speak a little bit more to two things here? What about those millennials and what makes them different in terms of what they want from a car? And secondly, how about in the retail side of it? Yeah, I think the, on the retail side, I don't think it's moving quite as quickly as as maybe we would have thought two years ago. You know, when we chatted, I would have expected by now for maybe a third to a half of all sales just being done, you know, fully digitally. One thing we learned during COVID period was, you know, automakers or, or, or rather the dealers, they'll bring cars to your house. I mean, back then I completed a whole transaction on my dining room table. Yeah. Uh, they brought the car to me. I signed the papers and they took it away. And it sort of felt like that was the way everyone was going to go. Um, it's actually gone back a little bit toward the traditional. A lot of consumers want to get out and still experience the car before they buy it. So it's been a little bit slower there than I, I expected a couple years ago. But the buyer that is buying the most now, as mentioned, is the millennial. They have taken over. They've replaced the baby boomers. It, it kind of happened during COVID, but it has really taken off. And they bring much different buying experiences. They're a digital native crowd. Uh, they They do want to do things more online. They do want to uh, have that better experience and have products that have a mission and mean something for a lot of the uh, Gen X and, and boomers. We tend to think of product as just more transactional. Well, this new generation expects it to be more relational. Wow, that is interesting. How about new players? You mentioned the Chinese company, for example. So we traditionally had had in the United States, mostly a domination coming out of Detroit, the, the car manufacturers out of Detroit. And then, of course, we had the, the big changes, dramatic changes, largely ushered in through Japan, but other countries as well, certainly Germany, England. How about the, the mix of players today? Are you seeing uh, significant changes in that? Yeah, there there's so many Chinese OEMs right now, varying sizes and price points. And for the most part, though, they're still relatively regional players. They are a bit into Europe and, and other countries. In the United States, we don't have any specific Chinese automakers in the market yet on the light vehicle side, even though we do have some vehicles that are manufactured in China that are sold here, Volvo and Buick and some others that bring vehicles in, but no direct sales here yet. What may be really interesting, though, is that a competitor from a country that few of us would think about as an automotive country, Vietnam, their largest vehicle manufacturer, they, they're a very new company called VinFast. They are coming to the United States and elsewhere with their models, and they are very quickly catching up to the global standard of, of automotive production. And they have some very innovative ways of coming to market. I mean, they, they want to be an EV player. 
They, they want to sell you a car and lease you the battery. So as your battery gets old or it degrades, your lease goes up on the battery. You get a new battery put in your car wow. so that you you can constantly upgrade sort of the the vehicle's life. Like you almost reset the, the clock to zero when you get a new battery. Uh, so they have a very innovative, you know, go-to-market plan from Vietnam of all places. And it's sort of, you know, caught a lot of us by surprise how how quickly they're able to get up to speed. Interesting. I'm wondering, you talked about this manufacturer from Vietnam. What about the United States and its exports of cars to foreign consumers? Any changes there, Tyson? Yeah, I think what's interesting about the United States is that our, the manufacturers here, you know, I think I said earlier OEM, and to define that, the original equipment manufacturers in the automotive industry, there's a lot of exports from here, particularly a lot of the European companies are setting up factories in the United States, and those produce SUVs almost exclusively. And, and that is their global source for SUV productions. It may surprise people that the largest exporting plant in the United States is BMW's South Carolina plant that produces all of their global SUVs from X3, X5, and, and X7 SUVs. They all basically come from a plant in South Carolina to the globe. Mm. So that is the largest source of, of exports. And one other thing, though, is that Tesla used to export a lot from their facility. Well, they've been quite busy setting up their factories, their gigafactories, as they're known elsewhere in the world. So now they have one in Europe, in Berlin, of course, in, in China. So they're now making those in other places, whereas before they would export them from the United States. So in some sense, we're doing more. We are exporting more because of the SUVs we build here. At the same time, though, the electric vehicles that we were making here are now being built locally in other parts of the world. That's interesting. You've said a lot about the global market, and that's terrific because we really do try to do as much as we can to focus on outside the United States. Is there anything else that you would want to note before we move on, Tyson, about what's happening in the rest of the world, either in terms of the retail side or the manufacturing side, and of course, the consumers and how they fit into any of this? Yeah, well, there's there's a couple of interesting stories around the world. I mean, just to, to kind of hit on one, probably the most unique auto market in the world being Norway, which of course has its own sovereign wealth fund from the oil fields offshore of Norway. And what are they doing with that, with all that oil money in Norway? They're pouring it into electric vehicles and they are transitioning faster than any country in the world to electric vehicles. Wow. Norway sales are, are basically about 70% now electric or electrified sales, meaning, you know, anything that has basically a battery propulsion. Whereas, like I mentioned earlier, the U.S. running about 6%, one of those slower moving countries uh, of the developed world. Uh, but Norway has just completely, you know, taken off. Uh, at the other end, you know, I mentioned China already with their electric vehicle sales. It does remain a bit of a closed market, not coming out of COVID, perhaps as quickly as, as other nations. Most of what goes on in China is built locally and is sold locally. But as mentioned, I mean, they are starting now, at, certainly at Tesla and other facilities, to export from there to other parts of the world as well. So there's a lot of unique things going on. And you probably have pot on it. I've been talking about electric vehicles a lot. Yes. Uh, and that continues to be the, the changing force in the industry. And it, it's still, it's moving fast and, and at different rates around the world. Yes. I remember, and you will too, Tyson, years ago, the commercial about this is not your father's Oldsmobile, but boy, this isn't your father's, your grandfather's, or any relative who's older industry, because it's changing so rapidly. As you know, 
our big focus here is on opportunities. What opportunities, given all those changes you're talking about, do you think the automotive industry offers to any of the following groups? And you don't have to find opportunities for all of them. Job and career seekers, entrepreneurs, freelancers, small businesses, or investors. Yeah, I would say at the most basic level, job seekers, the auto industry, it used to just be a place where, you know, if you were an engineer or a marketer, it was a great place to be. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of technology in cars and, and what was there was outsourced. Well, it's kind of cliche to say it, but the, the car is basically a computer on wheels these days. And so if you have computer programming skills, technology skills, that is needed so desperately in the auto industry. It's a fun industry. I mean, you can see how excited I get talking about it. It's one thing to build a, a website or a social media thing. It's another thing to build a car and get to work on it and drive it. And what's so cool about the auto industry today is it used to be like you had to live in Detroit or perhaps Los Angeles or Tokyo or just one of the big major global markets, Munich. Now the auto industry is really in a lot of the places where people are. It's in Silicon Valley, in Austin, it's in Nashville, it's in Dallas. So you can do these automotive skills and you can participate in the industry almost no matter where you are now. But that's what's made it so cool is that it used to be really centralized and now it's, it's very decentralized and very much technology focused. So if you want to have fun as a job seeker in, in an industry that's so dynamic, it's a great place for you. If you are very brave and want to be an entrepreneur in the space, there are still opportunities. Some of the, the biggest stories that exist out there in business still to this day, to name a few like Elon Musk and, and others, and RJ Scaringe at, at Rivian. Of course, they, these are some big dreamers that took some big chances and you know they, they have done very well. There's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who didn't do well, but obviously the rewards are, are very big because the scale is so large in the auto industry. There's a lot of risk there. But um, you know, again, I would encourage anyone that's uh, you know engineer and marketing and, and technology and software. I mean, this is, it's such a fun place to be. Wow. When you're talking about those jobs, are you suggesting where people now have skills and even though the car is actually being produced, let's say in Detroit or South Carolina, they can be in Dallas or Timbuktu? Is that what you're talking about? Or are you actually talking about there are now plants that are scattered around the globe where people can work? More just about the centers of excellence where individual components or features can be developed locally, like a city like Austin, which is now developing a sort of a tech hub. There are companies there that will work on different parts of the car, whether it's the sensors or or the software that would underpin the car. That can be done there and, and be done remotely. Obviously, on the manufacturing side, we still haven't figured out a way to manufacture cars remotely. So that has to be done at, at the plant locations. Those continue to be also all over the country. I mean, in fact, some of the, the places you don't necessarily think about. I mentioned South Carolina for BMW. You know, Hyundai and, and Mercedes are in Alabama and Kia's in Georgia. And, and there's a lot of, of course, in Tennessee with, with Nissan and General Motors. I mean, so you can kind of go all over the United States and that's no different than it is in Europe or China. The manufacturing facilities now are kind of scattered throughout those countries. But certainly for, for job seekers on the more development side, uh, you don't have to be in one of those global centers anymore as there's companies and firms doing the work all over the world in every city and town. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it. 
and about looking forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, event hosting and meeting facilitation, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Tyson, I'm wondering, you're alluding to a lot of opportunities for job seekers, career changers maybe even, on the manufacturing side. Two things come to my mind. How about for those who aren't necessarily involved with the manufacturers themselves, they're involved in ancillary kinds of businesses that service the industry through parts or whatever. And also, what about the retail side? Maybe that's a small business opportunity. Maybe it's an entrepreneurial opportunity. Maybe not. Maybe there's jobs there. Yeah, I mean, the retail side is probably the part of the industry most people are familiar with, right? You go to buy a car, you you walk on the lot and someone comes up and greets you and, and takes you through the process and negotiates the sale of the car. So there's a lot of opportunities on the retail side because of the number of franchises in the country. I mean, we're talking about over 30,000 different franchises of cars, you know, car dealers, a Toyota dealer in town or your Honda dealer. Those are all there, about 30,000 in the U.S. specifically. Mm. They used to employ a, a giant workforce. I mean, it, a lot of them are sales-focused roles. So if you are interested in sales, it's a great place to get in and learn sales. The challenge now is that most of these uh, dealerships, certainly in the U.S. model and in the Canada model of, of selling cars, have really cut back on the number of salespeople they have because they don't have enough cars currently to sell to everyone as it is. Um, and so you don't need a lot of people to sell cars because most consumers come in and if a car's there, they just buy it and they pay almost whatever the dealer wants to charge. So there's been less of a need there. And that's transitioning really fast. Now, the backdrop, though, is that as technology is changing, the what we're selling, the way that we're selling cars is also changing. And a lot of manufacturers want to sell directly to consumers like Rivian, like Tesla, uh, certainly do in the U.S. And it's something we see a lot more prevalently in Europe and, and some Asian markets. Uh, where you sell directly to consumers. Well, in the U.S., we have a, a dealer network between auto manufacturers and consumers. Well, that is changing really rapidly. And if automakers start selling directly to consumers, that means that what goes on at a dealership, it becomes about delivering vehicles, about servicing vehicles. And so there's a, a different sort of situation involving at dealerships, potentially in the future. Then it'll be something that will take place over many years, if not a decade, but the retail role is is starting to evolve. And the first way that it did evolve was coming into the supply chain crisis in 21 and 22 is that far fewer people are needed in a dealership than before. And even as the industry recovers, it's likely that 
they won't quite go back to that model. So while it's a great place to get in, it may be a little bit harder to find a job in the space than it was before. But outside of that, there's going to be a number of new opportunities because the innovation in this industry doesn't stop. You're talking about like subscription models for cars where you can you know, have a, a monthly fee and you can get into different cars. There's a lot of opportunities and a lot of money flowing into that space. So even as the sales rolls maybe start to dry up on the retail side, we're going to see those pop up in other places. And in terms of the ancillary opportunities, the businesses that produce products for cars, the businesses that maybe do research for cars like your company does. There are so many businesses, as you know, the pet boys of the world. Do you see opportunities for different kinds of individuals there? There are to an extent, but certainly as EVs proliferate and start to become a larger part of the number of vehicles we have in operation, the need for parts and part stores will start to decline over time as well. Certainly those who have an old car need the parts to keep it on the road. But the thing about EVs is they have far fewer moving parts mm. than an internal combustion engine. Uh, we're talking about, you know, maybe only 50% of, of the parts in total are in an EV that you'd find in internal combustion. And so there's a lot less need to have parts stores. But of course, you know, the, the understanding of the auto industry, firms like JD Power will continue to provide insights to, to automakers and consumers. I've been at JD Power 13 years. It's a great place to work. There's a lot of fun to have in the industry and some of these services roles and, and insights roles like I have, uh, where you get to talk about cars all day. You get to come on fun podcasts like this and, and be excited about <laughs> talking about cars. There's so much fun to have in this, this industry because there's very few like it. It's fun. It's sexy. It's fast moving. And that's why I love it. So there, there's a lot of opportunity in there. That's great to know. And especially, again, because of the dramatic changes that are happening right now, it's like a revolution almost, right? Tyson, you touched on this a bit. Maybe there's just a little bit more you might say about it. Looking forward also connotes looking into the future. You have said a few things about that. What are some other things you might envision through this decade that might happen here in the United States, but just as likely to happen elsewhere too? Yeah, I've got a couple of great things I think will happen. And one sort of big thing that I don't think is going to happen, uh, maybe I'll save that one for the end, but I think as mentioned several times already, I mean, the, the role of technology in the auto industry is going to continue to advance it. And that means, you know, the industry is going to get safer. Uh, we're going to have fewer crashes as the proliferation of advanced driving features keeps us from running into each other. It keeps us from hitting each other on the side of the road. So there's going to be a lot of great advancements there. As mentioned, the retail experience is evolving and, and even the way we buy cars. And, and we may not even be owning very many cars by the end of the decade. Some say, you know, this vehicle subscription model will proliferate and catch on. And that would be where for a monthly fee, instead of owning one car, you have access to either a number of cars or a time access to cars where you can get into different cars and only have a car when you need a car. Now, I live in the suburbs, Jeff. I don't know, you know, if you're suburban. I am. I don't, <laughs> and I've got kids. I always need a car. I always have yeah, to be running kids absolutely. around and swim practice and stuff. Right. You need kind of a car. But if you live in an urban environment where it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have a car and it seems like urbanism is only going to increase over time, you don't want to have to pay for parking and, and insurance and, and even the monthly payment. So for one fee, you can have access to a car when you need it. When do you want to get out of town? When do you want to go up north and see the fall leaves? You could have that car and get away. So we, we could see a lot of changes like that. But even within our cars that we own, 
we may start to see features in our cars today that you think you own uh, will actually just be a subscription as well. I'm talking about things like heated seats, things like your moonroof. But of course, the technology features will also be something that that you may have a subscription to. It sounds kind of crazy today, but the technology is there now for an automaker or the vehicle owner to turn features on and off remotely. And that could be the range on your battery. That could be your performance. I mean, imagine if you're sitting at a stoplight and you want to go fast, you may be able to rent speed. And that's sort of the way the industry is evolving here in the future. I mentioned there's a lot of great things. And I said, there's one thing that probably isn't going to happen. And that's autonomous vehicles. I thought you were going to say that. We talked two years ago. We probably were a bit more optimistic saying maybe second half of the decade. It hasn't been a great two years for autonomy. And who who among us doesn't want to get in a car, tell it where to go and sit in the back and listen to our favorite podcasts or, or read Twitter? That seems further away now than it did two years ago because it's such a difficult problem to solve. Driving is complicated. And the truth of the matter is when humans pay attention, we're actually really good at these advanced tasks. The challenge is that we don't always pay attention when we drive. <laughs> right. And that's where we get the advanced driving assist that will help us keep us from crashing into things. And I hope everyone puts down their phone and concentrates on driving. But I know not everyone does that all the time. I hate to say it, but it's true. Whereas turning it completely over to the computer, it's proven to be an extraordinarily difficult and expensive problem to solve. Maybe if you invite me back in two years, we'll be more optimistic about autonomy. But as of right now, it seems like it is beyond the end of the decade. Yes. And I have to say, just between me and you and whoever is listening to this, that doesn't disappoint me at all. I'm not gung-ho about an autonomous vehicle. We'd like to give our listeners a couple, three tips on how they might take the first step toward capitalizing on the opportunities. In this case, you talked about several opportunities, Tyson. What would you suggest for somebody who maybe is in college, somebody who's in their 20s, somebody who's maybe making a career change, entrepreneurial person? What would you suggest? I know there are different kinds of people, but what are a few tips for them? One would be sort of a broad education. And that's not just college, that's sort of in life. Obviously, different experiences, different ways of learning in different fields, I think is critical in the auto industry going forward. Because another critical skill is problem solving. You need to have those different experiences because the kinds of problems we're solving now are not the same problems that we had 10 years ago or 20 years ago when I started in this industry. Our problems are more advanced because cars are more advanced. And so you have to have a broad experience. If you really like cars, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I mean, I have seen people successfully go from wrenching on cars and, and working on cars to turning that passion into a position now where they're on a pit crew for a professional race series, whereas people like myself get really into studying the numbers and the results of cars and using that to leverage that into insights that you can take to automakers. So there are there's different ways of doing it. The good news is there's never been more accessible to kind of figure out those paths than it is right now. There's a number of ways online, Twitter, um, other social media, where you can get connected to the community that does what you do and understand the lingo and have that inside knowledge. I mean, people just give away knowledge on on social media that used to take uh, you know a lifetime in the industry to acquire. You can get up to speed really fast. 
So I would encourage people to, to be out there and, and meeting people through social media and really developing those broad experiences. Yeah. When I'm thinking about it, you talked about a whole gamut of possibilities where somebody might be good with IT. Maybe they would be good with marketing. I'm sure there's financial components to this as well. People would be in finance. So many different things that people could find a place for themselves within the industry. Is there anything else, Tyson, that you would want to say about the opportunities that you see within the automotive industry, either now and or into the future, before we ask you to tell us how people can get in touch with you? Again, I would just say that it's just such a dynamic industry now. I'm not here just to be a cheerleader. It has gone through good and bad phases over time, but I think we're optimistic now. And I think you have to be because as you get into EVs, electric vehicles and we, we go forward. I heard a, a saying once about electric vehicles that has always stuck with me, but it, it really sort of sums up my optimism. And I think as you know, we're looking forward the auto industry, which is that the dirtiest and, and least environmental your EV will ever be is the day you buy it. Right. Because it gets its power from grid and the grids, the electrical system is only getting cleaner over time so that the more we plug in with renewable sources, get that into our electric pipelines. That goes to our car. Uh, the ability to plug in your car and have it powered by solar powered, that's getting cheaper and that's coming together. So the electric vehicle really sums up my optimism, which is that it only gets better over time. Whereas you think about sort of the auto industry from its inception until just a few years ago, it only kind of got dirtier over time. The cleanest your internal combustion engine ever was, was the day you bought it. And from there, it only got dirtier. Well, now it's a new vehicle. It's a new way of selling. We've got a new buyer demographic, a new way of going to market. I mean, there's so much newness here that I think it's just such a great place for really anyone who, who has these different specialties, who has an interest in the field to really take a peek at it. So I think it's wonderful. And I, I hope certainly this has encouraged someone out there to uh, pursue a career. I got to believe it. I'm feeling your enthusiasm myself. Tyson, this is exciting me, and I sure hope it's juicing up the listeners, especially those of you out there who are listening because you're looking for opportunities. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, about J.D. Power, how they might work with you in some capacity, and whatever else you'd like them to know about? Well, it probably wouldn't surprise you since I mentioned Twitter a couple times already. <laughs> I'm very active on Twitter. We have this thing called Weird Car Twitter, where the weirder and stranger the car is, the more esoteric and harder to find car, the more we seem to love it on Twitter. There's a, a great group of people out there where you'll find me on a, a daily basis participating in the fun and the dialogue out there. So that that's the easiest way to find me. Of course, JD Power can find it, jdpower.com or Pretty much you'll see us advertise at any point during a, a weekend football game or a basketball game. You always see the, the advertisements. But JDPower.com is the, the easiest way to find uh, any opportunities within JD Power or certainly learn more about the firm. And what's your Twitter handle for people who want to find you? It's pretty easy. It's just my first name, underscore, last name. So Tyson, underscore, Jomini, and it's J-O-M-I-N-Y. And Tyson is T-Y-S-O-N. Yep. Okay, terrific. Tyson. I've learned a lot as I did the first time from you. Thank you so much for again being a great guest or looking forward to opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And I wish you nothing but continued success. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.